Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Into mid-March, and I can't believe the switch of the weather that's here. We go from such extremes, yes, the deep freeze to now the beautiful warmth of the sun. I have to say that when I came into work early this morning, we have had a little patch of water that has been open all winter, just on the south bend of the river out here. And I have to say, I there's the strength of these birds. A little collection of ducks have not left this site. And I think the sounds of the geese returning in the last few days, yes, we've heard them through the poly roofs of the greenhouses, honking and saying, we see you working in there. And I think the geese on that opened end of water all winter are looking at these birds as saying, it's warming, our friends are back, we have a bigger group. It's just the sounds of geese means... Yes, we're so much closer to spring. A lot of us are thinking of spring. Us too. We have a sense of spring inside the garden center. But it still gives us that sense that we want to dream of spring. So please listen. Dreaming of spring. Dreaming of spring where the daffodils bloom and the birds sing. Sipping sweet tea on the porch swing. Gentle breeze floating through our home, the scent of lemon kisses my nose. The grass is green, we play outside. We pile high for a wagon ride. Balls, tricycles, bubbles galore. Every day leaves us yearning for more. The chirping crickets lull me to sleep with windows left open for the cool night breeze. I wake up early, the sun warm on my face ready for life with a quicker pace butterflies flitting gently about beautiful gardens beginning to sprout morning strolls through the park afternoon thunderstorms playing till dark reading books under the shade picnics outside most every day oh dear spring how i long for thee tis the season that most revives me i think we're feeling all the same. The lines are open 1-800-374-3315. If you want to give me a call and let's talk about what's happening in your garden. How are you inspired this year? What are you planning to do in your garden that is different than maybe the last year? I know that uh, our fingers here are, are busy at work with transplanting and we've had a few of you come in and uh, see us this week thank you for taking the time to come out and visit and thank you for the treats it's just amazing how you get inspired by looking at small plants growing directly from the seedling stage yes we do a lot of growing here from bare root and from seed but we also bring a lot of the novelty ones in by uh, small plugs. So if you if you're venturing to your garden centers, you may see all the tables lined up with all the seedlings because this is the industry's time to start transplanting. And yes, 
I can see you all have your starts of your plants going. Maybe you're going to be starting some plants today and getting things growing. But it's the inspiration that you see from all the different plants that are on the tables, the colors, the the textures, the leaf structures of everything. It's absolutely amazing. But there's one plant, um, if we come back away from the transplant planting side, that there's one plant this week that was kind of in focus that's on it. And it's because of it was the luck of the Irish. And we're talking about the shamrock plants. Now, you see these also too in uh, shade gardens and mixed containers that you can put them in. So not only are the shamrocks a great little symbol of the luck of the Irish and it gives us something green and a pop of color, but oxalis, which is also shamrocks, comes in green. It comes in this deep, rich plum burgundy color and with beautiful little white flowers that will exude and come from this that will give us that cheeriness that we are looking so much for for this spring. So have you seen oxalis this year? Have you got a little pop of green color happening on your kitchen table somewhere close by? But it's all that different type of growing. So if you have questions about seeding, yes, there's some questions there I'm going to give you, but we also have to talk about transplanting our tropicals because this is the time they're going to start waking up and get growing. So we want to give them that little extra care. But before we do, we're going to get to as many messages as we can. Uh, we have Marjorie on the line. Hi, Marjorie. Hello. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Portage. Well, what's is it... Um, do you guys have a lot of uh, fog out there this morning? No. No, it's pretty clear here this morning. Oh, that's good. That's good. I heard that in some areas there was a little bit of a misty fog that was happening. Um, here was kind of cool because I could see the greenhouse when I was pulling up, but our fields behind were all in this kind of a misty haze. So oh, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? I have been trying to get my Christmas cactus to bloom, and it doesn't seem to do it. I put it away for six weeks in the dark, and I brought it out, and nothing. Oh, okay. Well, these are kind of those plants that are kind of photosensitive that you want to be able to have at least in between um, 12 hours of darkness, at least, and in cooler temperatures. So if you want to put it in an area that... Uh, you can put it in a room that is slightly cooler and in a room that you are not going to interrupt its light and dark timing. Uh, I did that for six weeks and it six, still didn't do anything. Still didn't do anything. Uh, have you put, tried giving it a little bit of fertilizer at the same time? No, I didn't. Okay, so try and encourage once it goes dry in between. Um, and if you're allowing it to go a little bit... we. Sometimes we can stress a little bit of plant by letting it go a little bit drier in between waterings. And then with that transition of lighting and a little boost of fertilizer, you might see that uh, it's going to start producing that little bud set. But you have to bring it into a slightly warmer area too, okay? Yes, yeah, I have done that already. And I, was, I know I was reading someplace, it said you should start fertilizing from April to fall. Well, yeah, end of March, mid-March till, you know, October, because that's our, our light candles are at the highest. You know, we're starting to see those candles because we have that early morning sunlight again. Right. <laughs> so when we get that extended days, you see that plants start to wake up. Um, there's more 
it's like us breathing hard. They have that respiration through their leaves, so they're able to grow a little bit more and harder. So I'd, I'd say you might have a temperamental plant, but don't give up on it, okay? No, I haven't I've not given up yet. I was planning on setting it outside in the summertime. Yeah, and sometimes changes of locations will sometimes trigger that too as well. Okay. One more question for you. Sure. I've got cattle lilies. They are starting to sprout already. Am I supposed to break them apart? Okay, calla or canna? Calla lily. Calla? Um, yes, If you, it depends on the quorum of it because I've seen them where they almost look like um, big flat pancakes that have been added more batter to them. <laughs> they get quite dramatic, right? So if it's to the point where they're nice and fleshy and you can see the di- clear division where you can snap and break them, you can bre- break and divide or gently break them apart and divide them. But I would make sure that you still have a healthy portion uh, if you're splitting and dividing when you're planting it, okay? Yeah, they, they, little, they look like little round balls, and I was so scared to take them apart in case if you, I break them apart, they would dry out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you want it to be substantially large. If it's a small little bulbette that's still attached to the mother bulb, um, I probably wouldn't break that off. But in some cases, uh, you might have, when you lifted it to transplant it, you might have seen that some of them had been maybe two inches bigger. But if it's just a little, like, pea-sized and that, leave it attached. Don't disrupt it. No, they're a good size, but not really that big. So what happens if I would plant the whole, the three of them together, right, like, right in the garden? Like, You would have the most massive display of callus. <laughs> it would be gorgeous. Maybe so, I'll try that then. <laughs> okay. And in, in some instances, if you plant it like that, uh, you'll get this big, big display. And they look beautiful in containers like that, too. That's okay. called the wowza factor. <laughs> so you don't really have to separate them then, because if you separate them, you should, what, plant them right away? If you separate them, uh, I would allow them to air dry overnight, because if you have that break, you'll find that where you break it is going to have a little bit of moisture right. that's on there. So always, never put anything that has that moist side. I always like to sort of uh, lay it on paper and let that sort of callus up before I put it into the soil. Okay, sounds good. Okay? Okay. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. I'm kind of flipping through a few things that I always write down to sort of say, what should we talk about today? And a few of you have sent me some messages as well. And I have to say, I've been in the back with production, and I'm looking at all the new plants that are coming in, and I'm looking at them, and I myself, I'm trying to decide to which colors am I going to plant, which plants am I going to plant, because they absolutely look beautiful. And there's one plant, um, I was going to leave it till later, but I have to really let you know about it. There's a new plant that's uh, out there that's uh, I'm so excited about. It is a salvia annual. Now, what makes this different from all other salvias? Because you may remember the salvias that you used to pull the little uh, fronds off and get the little sweet nectar out of them. But this salvia... All right, it is called, mark it down, Salvia Hummingbird Falls. Now, it is a cascading type of salvia that's in there, and it's beautiful. It's meant for hanging baskets or somewhere it can be in a container that's over top of it. 
it has this cascading effect and I think it's going to look beautiful in a lot of containers. And what better way to do that is to use plants to attract hummingbirds to your gardens. So if you're going to your garden centers, um, you know, it's always May long weekend. This year it might be a little bit further. We don't know. We'll see what spring brings us. But if you want to look it up, it's called Salvia Hummingbird Falls. It's probably one of my favorites this year. I'm going to try and do it in some mixed containers just to see how the effect that it gives us. There's one of my teases for flowers. I'm going to give you some more afterwards too as well. You know what? Um, I should have mentioned to Marjorie too as well, which was I was remiss. If you're out there looking, because Easter is coming up, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter cactuses. There's three different leaf shapes, and I should have mentioned that before. Uh, Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving uh, has a more jagged leaf shape, boxed on the top, sort of cut flat. Now, if you've got Christmas, it's got the same shape as the Thanksgiving cactus, but the jagged edges are just slightly softened on it. And now when we go to the Easter cactus, the edging is very soft. It has more of a rounder type shape, softer flattening, softer box shape on the top of it. Now, what's probably more unique, and I was sorry, Marjorie, I should have told you, Easter cactus, I think, may take longer weeks to be in a dormant state, which means longer timing than maybe your six weeks. So I think it's that one because I know some of the older varieties or maybe Christmas and Easter are shortened lengths that maybe five, six weeks of darkness and coolness. Whereas I think it's Easter cactus, you may have to go eight to 12 weeks. So if you've already pulled it out, you might have uh, had a little bit of disruption that's on there, but I am sure that it's going to bloom for you at some point. So I'm sorry, when I'm thinking about things on my brain, that I should have mentioned that to you. Now, the lines are open, 1-800-374-3315. Now, when uh, we're looking here, okay, we're talking. We have so many things here that we have to talk to you about. Okay, we have a caller, and someone was looking for some shade plants last week, and then we have another one that's coming through, and I'm going to read this to you. It's from uh, Linda, and she says, Hi, Carla. I have a shade garden. I'm looking for beautiful perennials that will do well with the plants I already have, bleeding hearts and ferns. I need something for the back of it, so something maybe a foot tall or even higher. What would you suggest? Well, shade gardening, it depends on whether you're a moist shade or a dry shade, or if it's acidic with you have other evergreens that are around it. So there are a whole collection of shade plants that you can do. Now, some of the ones with your bleeding hearts in your ferns, if hosta um, are (laughs) a problem with the deer, yes, that's part of gardening. Bugs, deers, and rabbits, they're they're welcome in our garden, but they do give us a little bit of a headache. Hostas do well with that because you have something that is very delicate in leaf structure with your bleeding hearts and your ferns, whereas I think a dramatic leaf would look really good with that. And what dramatic means larger leaves. Because forests, think of a forest. Forests are blended with different leaf structures, different different leaf colors. So if you're looking for something that has a big leaf, uh, you could try uh, Brunera. I think I mentioned that one before. It looks like a hosta, has a fuzzier leaf 
uh, shape to it, almost like uh, pulmonaria. It's kind of rough in the fingers that's on it, fuzzy. And I find that deer really don't go to it because it's like chewing on a bunch of cotton balls in your mouth. So they may not go to that. I love, if you have a shady, moist site, oh, you should try Ligularia. Ligularia has, uh, there's different types. There's Ligularia the rocket. If you really want dramatic and height, it has big Neanderthal leaves on the bottom. Some varieties even have burgundy undertone colors to it. But what's unique about the Brunera is, or sorry, the Ligularia, is some of them, like the rocket, and it's called the rocket for a reason. It's going to go five to six feet tall with these beautiful spiky blooms that are on it. Or if you want something that's not as dramatic, go with some that uh, Desmondia is another one that will give you yellow blooming flowers that are on it. Now, the one thing that's uh, with Ligularia, if you get hot, the leaves get droopy. But as soon as the temperature's cool, up they come. So it gives you that kind of a different effect that's on it. Uh, a few more that I can think about. Uh, Helleborus, Anemone. Columbines. And columbines are gorgeous. Uh, Pomonium. Lamium. And Burginia. Or Burginia. Tomato. Tomato. Virginia has a little bit of a waxier leaf, kind of like a rubber plant, but the color tones of some of the leaf structures, it comes up like a soft spike that's on there that's going to give you a little bit of a dramatic color that's on there. So I hope you're listening, Linda, and I've given you some suggestions for it. Now, if you have a truly acidic site, you may want to try some Cornus cadadensis that's in there, or bunch berries, and of course, ground covers that kind of flow it all together throughout it could be some of your lamiums. So there are a few hostas. There's some excitement in the perennial aspect of the gardening world. It's good to see. A few hints. And yes, uh, our perennials are starting to grow. We've been planting. And uh, I hate to say it, but as we were going through some of them, we like to thicken them up. So I think I shocked some of the staff going through there because I'm always carrying my scissors. Uh, I was deadheading some early blooms because the garden centers are getting very warm. So to delay the blooming of it and to thicken up some of our plants, you can do this too with some of your seedlings or some of your plant starts that you're going is trim them back a little bit. Do a little bit of a pinching on them. You might not be pinching quite yet as we've been growing since February, but it helps the plants to thicken up. It helps plants to become stronger. And if you delay the bloom, like we are here, so that we have a nicer bloom and a bigger plant for you when you come and see us this spring, it's all the better, right? That's in there. Now, I want to give you another tease of a plant that I uh, am so crazy, and the re- ways there's a reason why I said crazy. There is a new petunia on the block. It's called Petunia, Petunia, Crazy Tunia, black and white. All right, black and white. You're gonna say, but we have seen that sometimes the pattern patterns in plants are pretty cool. Now this one here. Uh, I am just loving it. It's white, but it, the eye, the center portion of this petunia 
goes to black, but it's this starburst black softening radiating effect that comes from this petunia that is just, it's enticing. It's beautiful that's on it. So you'll maybe want to mark this one down too. If you've got a pen, here it is. Petunia, crazy tunia, black and white. So you'll look at it and you'll see how stunning it is. There's always one of those pots that you want to put that has something a little bit dramatic that's on it. And this is one of them. I think it's going to be a hit. All right. So let's go to it. I think you're all listening very intently today. The lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. I'm going to take one more of these because I've got tons of messages here for me. Uh, We've got one here. And before we go to break, we're going to talk about this because we're going to start seeing a lot of this happening because of the weight of the snow that we have on a lot of our trees and shrubs. Now, this is from Dave. Dave says, um, our columnar cedars, I think that's what they are, are getting so tall that the branches are separating and don't look as nice as when their branches were close together. What would you recommend? Wondering if we were to bind the branches together with some type of roping, would you have a specific type of binding as to not cut into the bark? Well, we see this commonly at this time of year because A, the snow load on a lot of our trees and shrub is going to be very heavy. So as we see things starting to melt down, uh, the plants may have this more open effect that's on it. So please help them a little bit. Don't shovel into the tree in that because if they're still frozen, you might break some branches. But especially with cedars, when you get this opening effect that's on it, they are maturing. If it is, uh, I've got some myself that are probably, uh, I'd say, 25 feet tall too. And as they've matured, the stemming that comes from the ground, those branches or those trunks get wider. So it's harder for them to stay linear and straight up and more compact together. There's a couple things I may suggest for you, David, if you're listening. A, June, which I call usually the Father's Day gift, is when we're able to do a lot of trimming. And when I say trimming, it's light shearing or trimming after the new bud sets of the new foliage have opened on our evergreens, junipers, and cedars. If you're able to want to give it a more of a thicker, denser look that's on it, especially on cedars, if you've got a hedge trimmer, just lightly take off the tipping of the outside where you've seen that bed set, bud set, because what you're doing is you're causing the bud set for the next current year to set back further. And that's what causes the density and the thickness of those branching. Now, if you wanted to gently pull up some of the branches, but you have to be careful too, because if you're pulling them up dramatic and the trunk beneath of each of these stems is thicker, you may be causing a little bit of a problem. But you can gently tie them together. Um, burlap roping is good because as it matures, if it gets too strained, uh, it will loosen up. You do not want to use anything that has wire for any type of plants that are on it uh, because if you forget about it, it's going to cut into it. Uh, sometimes uh, we will use guide wire with plastic rubber hosing, but we don't tie it around it. We make a loop that's around it so that the old hosing is around the tree and it gives it that gentle pull. 
Now you may want to do this first thing in the spring because of the weight of the snow has opened it. Or if you want to retrain a tree, you can use that. But you do not want to keep that on for extended periods of time, like I'm talking years, because you want the tree to be able to have its own strength. But for you, if you want your columnar cedars to be thickened, I think light trimming is going to help you. Uh, be cautious if it's over six or seven feet high. Uh, you may not be able to get to the top. If it's at a porch, if it's at a height that you can get to a ladder and do a little bit of shearing, it'll thicken up this year. But as it gets, <laughs> uh, I'm not shearing my 25 foot ones, put it that way. So um, do a little bit of trimming that's on it. All right. See what there is. Now, you have to be cautious because when we say that we do this trimming in Father's Day, it depends on when the bud set has opened and started to harden off a little bit. And that's usually, you know, Father's Day or into the third week of June. But this year, because we are maybe a little bit later in our spring, you just have to watch, okay? So you don't want to do it too soon. This brings us to conversations that we should be having about uh, some of our uh, looking for dam- rabbit damage too as well. Now, this is a good indicator because I've been walking around here on the outskirts and when I start to see little droppings, yep, I'm talking scat droppings. These are, um, or if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like natural fertilizer. <laughs> These are indicators that we've had some animal activity around some of our trees. I'm also going to tell you that some of our damage, particularly to some of our trees and shrubs, is going to be a lot higher because those rabbits have not been able to get to the lower portion of it, which is kind of um, a good thing because we won't be girdling uh, trees and shrubs at the top portions of it. They may be nibbling and doing a lot of damage on the tips of trees, which we could consider natural pruning for us. So look for the rabbit damage and look for deer damage because it's out there. And if our temperatures are in the plus digits and it's thawing and you can get to the garden shed where you've got, uh, or maybe into the garage where it hasn't frozen, if you got some of your scoot or um, what else is out there is a plant skid or bobbix, these are uh, a process that you can spray on the plants to give them a deterrent not to keep nibbling. Now, I don't want you climbing through six feet of soft snow to get to it. Just be cautious. (laughs) But it's a good time to start sort of pre-assessing what's happening in your garden, right? We're starting to dream about spring. And it is a morning where it is beautiful. Uh, I can say from, I think, through the winter, I've been looking out my window here, and my six-foot pile of window, I can now see out of my window. So the snow is going down, the moisture is going into the ground, and which is a good thing. A lot of the farmers and a lot of people found that the water table was really, really low last year. I think when we're talking about cedars and evergreens and that love these rich moisture, but they like the moisture, but you have to remember, they also like good drainage. Because we see that spruce trees and evergreens, they don't do well sitting in standing water. So hopefully we have a good thaw. Hopefully it fills up the ground with that much needed moisture. Now, there is a little bit of a hint that I'm going to tell you 
now because I see it as a current problem sometimes, is if you have uh, sump hoses that's out there, in the next few weeks we are going to see that they are going to be active because a lot of the moisture is going to be going in the ground. Please take your sump hoses and don't... um, How can I say this? Sometimes I see people with sump hoses and we we think that we're doing a good thing by warming up the ground around our trees and our bed to thaw them out sooner than what we are. The water that comes from our houses, from our sump tags, is a lot warmer than what we are with a natural thaw. The sump hoses, put it off to the grass, let it drain away and not pre-awaken trees and shrubs earlier by putting warm wet warm water on them let things naturally wake up on their own cycle because if we're using warm water on our trees and our shrubs to wake them up sooner what's the theory is in like a lion out like a lamb but sometimes it we get in like a lion and out like a lion so we want nature to take its own course and wake up and grow naturally in what our climate is. Let's go right to the lines. Dorothy's there. Hello, Dorothy. Hi. Hi, good morning. How are you? Uh, fine, thanks. Uh, enjoying your program. And oh, thank you. I do have a question. Sure. Uh, last year, for the first time, we had potato beetles. Uh, can you um, give us any hints as to how to get rid of them? Okay, with potato beetles, there used to be potato dust um, years ago. You know that you could do it now. There isn't in it. Um, I I have <laughs> I have stories of my mum where she said they used to pick them off, but I don't think that you can do that as much. There is a diatomaceous earth that you can use that's on there. Uh, you can try and doing that uh, by spraying it. That's on there. Rotating your crops is a number one big element that you can do. No, that's we on do it. that all the time. Really. You do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So crop rotation is important. Um, the diatomaceous earth is really, really good. That's on it. Um, I'm just thinking of it. Be diligent, too. If you start to see them, uh, you can actually uh, be proactive. That's on it. Have you ever tried using row cover? Uh, no. Okay. What is that? A, a row cover, is a. it's like taking... Um, it's sometimes it's you can get a it's almost like a sheeting but it's very very clear very very white and you can put it over top of it we use it a lot of times for uh, prevention of flea beetle on a lot of the like brassia families the cabbage the kales um you know your swiss chards so you can use it and if you're planting in some areas you could put uh, hoops over top of your plants and use that but again if you have a huge field that might not uh, work as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing that you can try too is, um, do you use a lot of mulch around it? Try putting um, a heavy mulch set over top of the soil. Mm-hmm. You can use clean straw or hay to use that too as well. Yes, we haven't tried that. Yeah, try using a heavy mulch because sometimes it prevents um, a movement from one sets of adult bugs from one area to the other Uh okay well thanks for the ideas yeah you're very welcome thank you for calling good luck bye okay bye bye 
there's so many, and it's even, yeah, it's bug season too as well. I know that, um, and this is where we go through. I have to give a little bit of a chuckle because years ago, uh, we had a lady that came in. Uh, she was probably a new gardener that's in there. And she absolutely told me, and I, I loved it, and I felt like I just wanted to put my arms around her. She wanted to garden, but she didn't want any bugs. And as I gave her a little chuckle, I said, you know, gardening comes with, it's like life. It comes with the good, and it comes with the not so good. But we, it makes us stronger. It makes us think of different ways that we can overcome that. That's what it's all about. And yes, houseplants come with, sometimes they come with bugs. It's part of life. Trees and shrubs, you think you have the best tree and shrub. Bugs transfer from one to the other. But we have to look at it as sort of saying, what can we do to help it? What can I do to help prevent it? Just like Dorothy is reaching out now. What can we do? So, yes, we're gardening. Yes, there's worms. And I think, uh, you know, with the granddaughters, it's like digging it up that's in through it. The first few years, we were good with Ruby. Uh, yes, ladybugs were good. Now it's like we're hitting a little bit older, and you show her a worm, and it's like, ah! So uh, Grandma, or Yaya, as I'm called, has got to do a little training on that. Earthworms are good. Those are just the different things that we have to do. Now, before our time is clicking down here, I'm looking at it, transplanting tropicals because each week it's the important part of it and this is um, from Marilyn she's got some problems with some of her corn plant and she says um, she's got some browning of some spots some moisture on there but here are some tips for looking after house plants when do you transplant well if it's a new plant there's a lot of soil that's in those uh, rooting system of the pot that it comes with that should st- sustain that for a while. But we do receive a lot of plants from Florida because we are not the tropical forest. That's where Florida does its due diligence for us. And the, you have to remember, some of these plants that you get or you purchase come in pots that are field-grown, acres and acres of particularly one pot. So they may be a little root-bound. So you take a look at it. You let your plants adjust to the location of where you're going to grow it. Now, if you see further signs of roots coming from the bottoms of the pot or girdling at the top surface where you see a lot of root matter happening at the surface of it, it's time to lift and replant. So when you're looking for a pot that's slightly bigger, an inch or two is a lot. You don't want to go dramatic where you take a six-inch pot And maybe the plant is two feet by two feet on the top, but taking that six-inch pot and putting it into a two-foot-wide pot with new soil, that is a no-no. Too big. So pot size, you go up one or two inches. You can add a little bit of the depth that's in there. But encourage that you go to uh, ones with drainage holes because drainage is most important for that. All right? And choosing the type of soil, whether it's a grow mix for regular houseplants or a little bit of a cactus mix for succulents. Your plants will love it, and you'll see that with that increased light, your tropical plants are just going to take off for you. All right? Well, everyone, we're dreaming of spring. I recall the beauty of spring, that day, the sound of birds singing in the month of May. I dream of flowers in streams nearby and the clear blue hypnotic dazzling sky 
I can almost remember the scent of daffodils in the air, the green meadows around, all seems fair, lost in the gravity of the hands of time, as I dream of springtime in another rhyme. Bye-bye, everyone. We'll be back on the Lawn and Garden Journal next Saturday.